0: Hi there, Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment here. Welcome to the latest episode of Farm Equipment's podcast series, Our Dealer's Story. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Jim and Brendan Meinhardt from CanEquip, a 14-store New Holland dealer based in Kansas. Jim's father, Eddie Meinhardt, started Eddie's service just after World War II, and in 1953 took on the Alice Chalmers line.
1: We talk about a lot with Corvallis 19. If you made it through the 80s in the farm equipment business, or as a farmer, you, you survived a really tough time tougher than this, with a lot of good help back then.
0: That was Jim comparing what the farm equipment industry went through in the 1980s to the current economic crisis being caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Before we head over to my conversation with Jim and Brendan, I wanted to thank our sponsor HBS Systems, a multi-generational company that for over 30 years has provided leading edge systems and software technology designed specifically for ag and construction equipment dealers. Thanks for making this podcast series possible. We'll jump into the conversation with Jim sharing the story of how the Minart family first got involved in the farm equipment business.
1: My dad started a business right after World War II, about 1946, I believe it was. Started in the gasoline business, grew up on a farm with seven other siblings on 80 acres, so there was no uh, money and no, no nothing when he came out of the Army. Starting a gasoline business, and then he went into the farm equipment business in the early 50s, we think 1953. That's when he took on Alice Chalmers in New Holland. And uh, dad was quite the entrepreneur, and I have uh, eight brothers and sisters. So uh, he put us all to work, cheap labor. Okay, that, that's kind of what it was. But the good thing we got out was was we, we definitely learned good work ethics.
0: Yeah. What's your dad's name?
1: Eddie. Eddie Meinhardt, and his business was Eddie's service, so he ran it under forever. So, Dad kind of got in a little bit of everything, but, uh, and back then, he would sell machinery and trade for cattle or land or hay or whatever, whatever was around seemed like. It was pretty successful back then. I still talk to people today that that remembers him and the family and uh, doing business with him. And uh, he's been gone eleven years, but uh, they still remember him. So that's that's pretty neat.
0: Oh, that is neat. Yep. nice to have that memory still. Did Eddie's service become Can-Can Equip or was it a totally separate
1: business? Oh, no, it, it was Eddie's service. That's what he okay. ran everything under. And then, in, uh, when I was nineteen, my dad seen this dealership in Wilmingo, Kansas, for sale. I had been through high school and a little bit of the Army, National Guard, and he thought this was a good buy. And uh, so we bought a a building, 50 by 100 building, uh, 60 acres of land, kind of swampy land, and um, business was almost nothing going on and uh, cost us $50,000 back then for everything. And uh, so I started that with uh, three employees, absolutely no money, and um, a School of Hard Knocks. That's kind of where we started the business at.
0: That was when you were 19, you said?
1: Yes, sir. Uh-huh.
0: And then, what year was that? Have been
1: 1967.
0: 1967. Okay. So, is that 1967 the official start date of?
1: I think it Can was. Yeah. business. Yeah, January 1967. Yeah. Okay.
0: What were those uh, early years like with, or, or that you know that first year as a 19 year old
1: in the business and. It, it, it was tough. You know, I we were kind of the grunts for Dad. We we really didn't do any dealing or anything like that. We just did the work. So I kind of went in with no experience and uh, had three employees. And uh, one of them had been around for a while. He kind of helped teach me on sales. And we had a couple of mechanics and just basically ran everything kind of on a shoestring. Um, had a hard time borrowing money to get started. But somehow we got rolling and got got it going.
0: Yeah, and was that also then a New Holland and Alice Chalmers dealership?
1: We uh, started out with Alice Chalmers, okay. and then we got New Holland probably a year and a half later. Uh, we were able to get New Holland and we was roughly at, uh, in a Case IH, or, excuse me, IH and John Deere area okay. in the river bottom. so it was tough sledding, uh, but we um, stuck in there and a lot of long hours and hard work and made it work.
0: And then how did, you know, from that, that first dealership, obviously you guys are, are much larger today. How did that, that growth happen?
1: Over the next few years, several years, we, we had the one dealership and then we actually added a couple. Uh, one of them we eventually closed back down, just kind of struggled on what was going to happen in the future and kept growing our business in Womago, which is still our main store and the corporate corporate store. Uh, just kind of kept things rolling and we was actually at a major company meeting and sitting at a round table with a dealer from Dodge City and neither one of us liked to be dictated to and that's when they were telling us how to build a building and what kind of sign we needed and all that Mm -hmm. stuff and that kind of started this this merger of Candy Quit okay And, and a couple years later after a lot of work and negotiating we we merged Dodge City store and our stores together. okay and that, that kind of started that started canequip uh, went from minor farm equipment to canequip. Okay. and uh, since then we just keep adding stores. Uh, the boys do and uh, you know it's been a ter- tremendous growth more than I ever imagined or expected uh, but it's been it's been a good ride and going up. and something we we talk about a lot with Corvallis nineteen. If you made it through the '80s in the farm equipment business, or as a farmer, you you survived a really tough time, tougher mm-hmm. than this, tougher yeah. than what we're going through now. And um, with a lot of good help back then, not a lot of people. You know, we cut everything back as much as we had to to survive. But if we made it through that, we kind of kind of helped us get going for the new next generation. So
0: yeah, what was that period in the '80s? Can you talk a little bit about that? What were some of the lessons you learned back then that maybe are coming into play now with a new, very different type of crisis, but a crisis nonetheless?
1: Well, in the 80s, number one, we had 18 to 21% interest. Everybody was paying it, and nobody could borrow any money. The farmers are to one and the manufacturers were going broke. So Mm -hmm. it was was chaos from one end to the other, Um, and we learned that you – you don't don't sign paper on recourse, which we don't anymore, because mm-hmm. uh, that came back and broke a lot of dealers. You know, they had two choices: either pay off the machinery that was uh, repossessed, or else, uh, you know, take bankruptcy themselves. So that was a big lesson we learned. Mm-hmm. And back then, the companies kept building equipment, and as soon as they built it and invoiced it to the dealer, that was a sale. So they looked better longer than we did, and we was taking the brunt of it. And yeah. Thankfully, our industry has learned you can't do that anymore. you got to quit building. So it taught us some really tough lessons. Really don't know how we survived, but we did.
0: Yeah, something I hear a lot is that, you know, you hear a lot about the number of um, farmers who went out of business at that time, but the number of dealers that went out of business is uh, quite more significant.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we lost a lot of good friends. You know, in in the early days, uh, it was a lot of hard work and uh we had work ethics and we had good times too like the old new holland and alice Chalmers trips you know with <laughs> other dealers built some good relationships but in the 80s we lost a lot of those dealers that we we knew all a lot of so it was a tough yeah. time
0: yeah. yeah definitely how did business kind of transition as as that recovery after the 80s happened you know how did you guys start building up the business again
1: well we kind of had to retrench um We had a lot of inventory sitting here. There was companies, the companies went broke and sitting there, and we we had a lot of negotiating with the companies to to refinance that equipment or buy it at a discounted rate, you know, to Mm -hmm. try to get it moved. Uh, Back then, you know, we had a lot of good reps with companies. We also had the ability to call the president of New Holland uh, or some of the other companies uh, personally, you know. Mm got help for today you know yeah we don't even know who we're talking to <laughs> kind of a bad deal to me but you know we, we got a lot of help from those companies i mean mm-hmm. they negotiate. Uh, you know ac credit corporation we had a guy to own two combines the bank who loaned him enough to pay for one combine but they wanted both for collateral and we took the guy to kansas city and uh they said no deal and so we left and uh, I got back to the pickup, and the, and the branch manager come running down there, and he said, "We'll take your, we'll take your check, you know." And the guy still went broke, you know. I mean, so those are some kind of some stories you you don't forget. So, kind of some keys that I wrote down, you know. Today, we have a great management team, and great staff. We've got a lot of good work ethics within our own company, um, which is something we really really push a lot. Yeah. Uh, my willingness to back off—supposed to be retired, but I can't, they can't—they can't get rid of me. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, to let them do what they want to do and uh, keep going. Uh, This—I think the last seven dealerships—I uh, said whatever you guys want to do is fine with me. You <laughs> know, that's the way it is. Got so got that. So I tried to step back. Uh, We also engaged a a super banker, which I think a lot of dealers probably to this day don't have, that knows our business, trusts us, and because of that, we we don't pay much floor plan interest at a high rate, which helps the company. Very, very good to work with. I think if you wouldn't have a good banker today, I don't see how you could survive, or have the the major manufacturer help you and finance you. So I think that's pretty important.
0: How Uh, is that? Oh, go ahead.
1: (laughs) Well, having a, you know the, the families involved and uh, Brendan will asked I didn't push anybody into the business, but the two boys are in it now and, and Jamie, our daughter is an HR. Okay. So it's great to have them in there. And, uh, you got a note about the next generation and we, we've already done some and doing more major giftings.
0: We'll get back to the Equip story in a minute, but first I wanted to say thanks to HBS Systems, the sponsor of this series. To learn more about HBS's Equipment Dealership Management Systems, visit www.hbssystems.com. And after that, head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. To learn more about our next Dealership Mind Summit and to register, visit www.dealershipmindsummit.com. And now back to the story of Can't Equip and some of Brendan's memories of being a kid in the dealership and some of the lessons he's learned from Jim along the way. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the time when you started getting involved in the business and your and your brother got involved and just kind of um, what that transition's been like, if it was a steady process or, you know.
2: Well, um, I worked for New Holland out of, um, I graduated from Kansas State University and um, went to work for New Holland and um, dad called me one day and he, 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 um, was thinking about buying a dealership in Marysville, Kansas, and um, wanted to know if I'd wanted to be involved. So we kind of worked out the details, and eventually, once we bought the dealership, um, my wife and I moved back from Illinois and ran that dealership up in Marysville for, for 20 years. So that's kind of how I got involved. But Dad has encouraged us to go do other things, yeah, but then yeah. come back to the business is. How we've done it um, my brother went and ran a store in harrington kansas and so he's now involved in the business and he does all of our public sector selling and and calling on and calling on the jcb line um is what he's kind of in charge of and then my sister she's involved with the business and she does all our hr business for the company so she does keeps track of all the employees and does the things that we need to do to have um strong teamwork and employees back in our business.
0: Okay. And then, you know, so you went away and kind of had a career before coming back to the business, but were you, I imagine you were around as a kid and a teenager uh, helping out working in the, in the store?
2: Oh, I, I was, try, I anytime I could go to the store I'd be at the store, I would be at the store. Um, whether it was in the parts department or sweeping floors or, or um, washing tractors, um, whatever we could do, um, all the. A lot of, um, Grant and I were both involved. Um, I don't know if the girls were quite as involved as what we were, but that's, that, that's just where we love to spend time. You know, and at that time it was just one dealership so we could get our arms around it and yeah. uh, do a lot there. So that was just to spend time growing up in the business was a, a real gift yeah. um, for us.
0: What do you think, um, just from even maybe observing your dad in the business, what did you, what'd you learn from him in, in those times?
2: Well, I, I mean, from dad, I learned a lot of perseverance. You learn hard work are the two things that come to mind. Um, you know, I watched, I was pretty young during the 80s and I watched um, what he went through and what our farmers around us and going to the auctions and, and seeing those things makes an impact on a young man when you're growing up in the business. But, mm-hmm. you know, dad always, he always wanted us to treat the farm machinery business as a business. Family's family and business is business is what he always said said. And so we always like to treat the business as a business and keep the profit in it, keep growing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's been one of our successes because to take on five stores at once um, was quite a feat for us yeah. um, last year.
0: Yeah, that's that's a pretty big amount of growth in, in at one go. So yeah. that's great. How is that? Has it been a whole year now since then or has it been not quite a
2: year there's a year yesterday so yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah so that's yeah it's been a remarkable transition the the managers that we all the empl- most a lot of the employees have stayed with can equip and have transitioned over all the store managers they have done they've been rock stars in this they've done you know kept a great attitude kept their employees going the businesses, they have just nothing but grown from where they started at a year ago. So that's been an incredible thing. You know, most of the time we fight a lot of attitudes, a lot of change when you go from a single dealership to a, a complex like this, you fight a lot of attitudes and, yeah, you know, those store managers and, and the employees of, of Straubs have really done a great job for us.
0: So the Second or third, depending on if you you count your grandpa's business before this one, are involved in the business now. Is there any, is anyone in the fourth generation, you know, at an age where it would make sense to be in the business yet? Or, you know, is there any interest there?
2: Well, I have two at K-State right now, or Kansas State University, just um, starting there and there. So, um, one's going to work for us in the Wichita store this this summer. He worked at the field support office last summer. Hopefully, um, next year he'll go do an internship and then maybe, um, have come back to the business eventually. My oldest daughter does marketing and we'll see where that takes her and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it probably makes sense. Um, I'm like dad, I don't want to force anybody into it. Um, but I always tell my kids, this is a great place to raise a family. It's a Mm -hmm. great business to have a family involved with. Um, we're lucky to have a lot of great employees um, that have um, hung with us through some tough times and um, have been with us in some really good times. And that's the secret to our success is having a great employee.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That makes a world of difference who you have working alongside, whether they're, they're family members or not. So that's awesome to hear.
2: Well, they all become family members over time, you know, and, and that's, that's the important part of all those employees to us.
0: Yeah. Your um, your dad had talked a little bit about, you know, some of those lessons being learned during the 80s. Do you, what, you know, we're in the midst of it right now, but do you kind of, can you see what lessons are being learned right now in this very unusual situation with the coronavirus and, you know, you're an essential business, so you're open, but you maybe aren't open like you typically are?
2: Uh-huh. Well, it's it's challenges. It's challenged the management team to keep consistency across 14 stores. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you have customers that have to be taken care of that may or may not understand the coronavirus. Um, in their particular areas, we have areas that don't have any coronavirus in our counties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have areas that are very much affected um garden city dodge city have has a lot to deal with so um, it's been a challenge management wise to get all that in not traveling and getting to see the people has been been a very hard point um, so that's that's been difficult but it's been an interesting and a challenge to do um new products like like this zooms or um go to meetings and and get people involved and in getting yeah. people to transition their thought process and to participate. Our general manager, Craig Golf and I are talking today. He says, you know, I think in the future we'll do more of these things just because we now know this technology, how easy it is to work mm-hmm. for us. Yeah.
0: yeah, I've heard that from a few people that that uh, there's definitely things like this, some of this more technology-based remote work is something that may may stick around once we're back to something like normal.
2: Yes, Yes. and I think it's going to challenge our manufacturers to get, you know, more stuff online. Um, I I think the internet's here to stay, so we better embrace it and figure out how to use it. And some of our manufacturers have been really good with it, and some have lagged, but now it's important to everybody, um, Mm -hmm. to get parts books online, to, you know, be able to do mobile service, um, to get the portals. I'm um, in shape and that kind of stuff. Um, we have work to do there and our manufacturers do. It's going to be an interesting transition to to get us into the 2020 years and beyond.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. How do you guys see the the dealership evolving and what's down the road for, for Equip?
1: I, th- I think, uh, you know, when they, took, when they took on these five dealerships, I think they kind of re- realized that that was quite a load and they did a great job. <laughs> Uh, but I think uh, management, Craig and Brennan, and Grant have kind of said bits and pieces about let's kind of get everything going good, and before we do anything else, I probably get I, I get at least a call a month. Some or wanting to sell out. Some of them we have no interest in. Some right, of them, right. you know, just. But it's kind of interesting. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of changes coming on. But uh, you know, I I see that there'll be some growth. I think over time. Probably have to be. If you become stagnant, you die, you know, so it's one of those deals.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. What have been some of the biggest changes I guess you guys have gone through? So obviously adding the five stores last year was probably one of the most significant changes, but what else would you say in the last 40, 50 years?
1: (laughs) I guess back to the same thing, going from one store to, to 14 stores. I mean, we have a separate corporate office now, and separate management team, and uh, they're managing. I, I go to a meeting once in a while. Probably, okay. probably they'd rather I didn't go to any. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, but I mean, we we just got a lot of good people in place. Uh, we actually increased our employee number during this last this on nineteen. I mean, wow. Uh, wow. try to try to you know you weed out a few people that aren't doing their job and you know, get some new people, but. I think you know we definitely want to run all 14 stores good and make sure we take care of the customers and and see what lies ahead. You
0: know? Yeah.
1: So a couple a couple of things I wanted to add. Uh, the guys have come up with a recognition and uh, banquet. I guess you call it. And I think we had what 400 some people there, 400 plus people. And when I walked into that banquet room, I I was kind of in shock, but. I mean, uh, it's a great evening. Uh, Gave out a lot of awards and everything, which is, I think, really builds that morale because, you know, over the years, time, a lot of employees don't see their fellow employees Mm because of distance and everything.
0: So that was a banquet that you guys put on or put together for to recognize employees.
1: Yep, for doing a good job or or doing better than they expected or whatever, you know.
0: Okay, Uh, and Okay.
1: and they all had. The guys have things in place uh, where they have to meet their objectives. Uh, some some guys were surprised. Some of them, you know, uh, everybody was happy. It was a good time.
0: Yeah,
1: good. And, and also recognized
2: years of service. So, you know, we have some, we've got a couple of employees that have been with us for 40 years. Uh-huh. So um, um, that 40 years plus. And so they, we recognize that. And then their performance in each of their departments that they did. I've invited every um, employee and their spouse um, to come spend the night in Wichita and basically just um, spend time to get to know the rest of their employees and and stuff. That's probably the biggest change I I see in farm equipment is sometimes you work with employees, you never get to see them. Um, Mm -hmm. Probably a little bit like you and what you do, but it's, you know, and and the lines that have changed, um, you know. Case i h and case going together and New Holland and um Ford New Holland and you know dad started out as an Alice Chalmers dealer I'm in sixty seven and and we're we basically have one Agco contract left out of fourteen stores so it's yeah. it's trans this transitioned a lot over those fourteen years
1: well a couple other things I had thirty years ago, plus a guy walked into my store and Doing, you know, I actually played a little football at K-State. I didn't know that that time, but he was promoting 401k profit sharing, and I probably knew nothing about either one of them, but somehow he talked me into it, and that's been a, a great, you know, I've been really happy that that happened, and, uh, and I think most dealers have it today. 20 years ago, probably a lot of them didn't have it, but uh, the dealers that are Employees are retiring now with, say, 20-plus, up to 45 years. I've got a good retirement, which I'm happy to see. That's been yep. a great deal. And we also have a modern ag, which is our technology end of it, and that's growing, been good, too. I think that's uh, – any other questions you had? Oh, I have.
0: So I So you guys do a, a particularly good job, or at least from what I can tell, of employee recruitment. In training, um, could you guys talk a little bit about how that kind of got to the point where it is today and, and progressed from, you know, having someone who's dedicated to, to that recruitment role?
1: Well, like probably all positions, we had a lady join us several years ago that did a super job, and then we had one or two after she left that uh, you know were so kind of mediocre, and now we have a uh, school teacher that got tired of teaching, a guy, and. Uh, He's full-time. He spends a lot of time on the road. You know, our biggest challenge is technicians,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, that's his focus. Um, and we do some other stuff uh, with employees, like a bonus for getting somebody to sign on if they stay with us and stuff like that.
0: Okay. But Uh-oh. He's
1: he's hitting all the 4-H and FFA and, and the colleges, anything we can hit. Fort Riley, I mean, we have a Fort Riley base close to us, so. Uh, I, I think it's it's a must you know, to have somebody like that. And he's good PR, you know, for mm-hmm. the whole business. So, uh, and being a teacher, I think he taught for like 15 years. So he knows all the teachers around the country, which helps. So. Yeah. Yeah. How,
0: how long has he been in that role now?
1: Mm, about two years, probably. Two years. Yep.
0: Okay. And was when he came on, so I saw that you guys have kind of a, you know, I mean, you have service trucks and other and the sales guys have trucks that are all you know have your logos on it um is that just you know I've seen he's shared pictures with us of of the the car he takes out for for going to those recruitment events. is that you know just one of the sales trucks, or is that specific to that role?
2: No, he's the only one that drives that the it's an no, it's an h h r um car and and we've got it um we basically have it um, wrapped with a a big um, four-wheel drive New Holland tractor, and you just can't miss it. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have it has a front window, and that's it. Um, some side windows to see outside, and the rest of it's a big blue tractor um, going down the road. So everybody sees it, and the kids love it. They'll want to look at it and see it, and so it's been a great recruiting tool for us, Richard gets quite a kick out of driving it i think most of the
1: time and part of the reason you would see him is because he's got a four-cylinder engine and he always says he's the slowest car on the road
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good um well i think that that's all i had was there anything else um either of you had that you wanted to add
1: no been a great ride glad that the family's involved and glad we have some super great people
0: Thanks so much to Jim and Brendan Meinhardt for taking the time to sit down and share CanEquip's story with us. And another thanks to HBS Systems for making this podcast possible. I'd love to get your feedback on the series, so drop me a line at kschmidt at lestermedia.com. You can subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. This ensures you'll be alerted as soon as new episodes are made. Thanks for joining us for this one-on-one conversation with Jim and Brendan Meinhart. Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt, signing out of the Our Dealer Story podcast.